Welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael Russo and Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Welcome to He Said, She Said Branding with Michael and Jackie Russo. And today's guest, Michael Russo's new best friend, who is basically his twin, but with a cuter accent. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I would twin personality wise. I mean, definitely, I, I think it was like looking in, looking in a mirror of philosophical um, attitudes and approaches towards creativity and design. So basically, he's your twin in every way, except that he's a cool rock star. Yeah, that part's missing for me. I was in a barbershop <laughs> quartet, so that doesn't quite um, count as the rock star lifestyle. But we did have our fan, a fan. We had like three of them, I think. Oh, no. You had hundreds of sweet Adelines lined up at your hotel door. Uh, I don't know about that, but, you know, there was You sold 3,000 CDs, Michael. That Some people, and did. I didn't buy all of them. We did. We did. I know. But yeah, definitely not rock star status. But um, but no, he was great. And um, he's living and working in Nashville. He's Australian. They have cool music clients. And um, definitely, I think there was a lot of correlation between what he does and branding for for personalities and then personal you know, branding, building up brands of artists and musicians and what we do with our clients as well. Some of the same philosophies uh, intersect. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's always nice to hear in very different industries, you know, because we work with all B2B uh, corporate clients and he's working with rock stars and musicians, but we're all facing the same challenges of building brands, of differentiation, of uh, pushing back when people want to try to take shortcuts and making sure we're really doing it the right way. Absolutely. I think it's time for everybody to get to hear it straight from Rick himself. Let's do it. Welcome to the podcast, Rick. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to... uh seeing what you guys are up to well we can't wait to hear what you're up to so i thought maybe we'd start with kind of a history lesson uh if you don't mind tell us how dead horse branding came to be um it was by accident i've been in uh design merchandising i started as a sign painter when i was 15 years old or 16 actually well 15 uh because my mom used to drive me to work i couldn't drive at the time so from 15 to maybe 28, I was a sign painter and uh, went to college and we were the last school to learn with actual paintbrushes and hand drawing and then it became computerized after that. Um, so from there, I started my own business and just screen printing, manufacturing, um, sign painting, computer cut, computer printed, everything you everything you want in the sign world and then um, merchandising, graphic design and I got the music bug and then I've become this musician rock star wannabe and uh as everyone is yes but um I was lucky to be able to hand my business over to a friend of mine that, who had worked there while I was gone for three to six months on tour and come back but we used to do a lot of merchandising for the big bands in uh Australia and some bands that from the US that came in um so already I had that going for myself and that was my connection through music was always the art Anything that was a connection to anything was always the art. You know, I'd, I'd do a portrait of somebody and hand it to them and then they hey, come hang out with us or whatever, you know. So that's where that started. And then while I was in America, I met my wife, Melissa, who is part of Dead Horse Branding now, is, is the reason why Dead Horse is Dead Horse. Um, she, we met uh, in Australia and then we were, we've been together since from the day we, we met and she was managing a lot of Australian idols. They would buy them out of the contracts from the TV and then put them back on the road. And she was in a events and she's, she's very creative and she's a professional dancer. So she was touring the U S for years while I was touring the U S as well, musically. And we never crossed paths. Um, and then we put our heads together and we started this, she saw this merchandise line that I had and it was cool merch that, you'd want to wear out in town. It wasn't necessarily the ugly band shirt with the big head on the front with the tour dates in the back. It was very fashionable. So she started getting my merchandise in actual stores to sell. And from there, I was doing a lot of um, sewing and creating, um, I don't want to say costumes, more like fashionable wear on stage for the band. And then she saw that and she says, well, we should start a fashion line. So we started doing that and we had investment and from there we grew only to realize that Duck Dynasty, which I know they're close to you guys where you live. Just a couple hours north. 
yeah, they came on board. They want us to be, we do, we're doing a uh, no shave November campaign and we're teaming up with them. So it was our Corello rock fashion with Jeff and Jessica. And we said no, because they weren't our brand. It was, it was just a total disconnect. And right. and then one of our friends said, you should probably do it because they've got a big following. Like, okay, it's true, but they're very square and it's not what we are. And so we thought, okay, we'll do it, but they got to, we got to rock them up. And anyway, we rocked them up and they did, they were great people to work with and, and they were really nice. And then they turned around and said, can you do something for us? Like some design, some merchandise and fashion. And I was like, yeah, we can do it. Um, but we saw a lot of cracks in there. Like they're very successful and they're very great at what they do, but very, a lot of cracks in the management of the brand licensing and all that sort of stuff and the disconnect of the hierarchy with the family and um it just wasn't working for us so we parted ways and from that we went well if these guys can you know they're making hundreds of millions of dollars they couldn't be making billions of dollars if they had the right team right so we just started dead horse branding out of that and um because at that point we were getting a lot of people so who does your marketing who does your logo who does your website who does this and it's like well we do the two of us uh, it was just the two of us at the time and then we grew to a staff of 15 really quickly and, and it became a adult daycare center and i just i just didn't want to do it. <laughs> i just did not want to manage that many people and it was you know you, the quality control I was, I was up to four in the morning sometimes doing quality control because what my eyes saw and what they saw was two different things so that's sort of the fashion line is still we're still got stock that we're selling today that people fly into town and they buy it and they leave and it's great but um the the branding company took off and we're very high in the music business in regards to our customer and we're also in the fashion world and we do you know we do in the automotive world and some some corporate stuff but we try and stay away from that where we can we do get some corporate companies that come to us and say hey we want a little bit of your edge and we're like okay cool we can do that um so yeah that's it just happened by accident but I mean, I've got a very creative brain and, and some business and Mel's got a very business brain and some creative. So the two of us cross over really neatly and we've got great staff, um, including this new young guy that we've got working. He's he's pretty cool. Um, he'll do. Yeah, he'll do. We'll keep him. Um, but yeah, so it's it's great. You know, it's just a balancing act, as you know, keeping everything and, and managing expectations because sometimes what the client wants and what you know is correct is two different things. So you just got to walk that steady line. Always a challenge. And yeah, and we have um, a little bit of experience with the uh, two sides of the coin. It's kind of what we've, we've built our, our company on is, you know, having that strategy and the creative work together, um, knowing, you know, because if it's, you know, too much creative, it, it's just a pretty picture. If you add a little bit of strategy in there and a little bit of smarts, a little bit of business, and then you have to work in the real world, right? I mean, how do you manage all that? And I think the hardest part from a creative side is is that balance of, you know, if you please listen to us, you know, please let us do this. And because, you know, you, you're not just winging that. This comes on experience and and what you're trying to provide for that particular brand or that entity or that messaging system, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, these days, because I, I was hopeless at managing management stuff and, and and documenting things and following through the with the business stuff, the creative stuff all day long. But I've been I've become better at documenting things in emails and saying, well, we can go this direction, but know that if we do, this is what's going to happen. So, you know, we'll we'll hit that wall when it comes to. And when that wall comes, we hit that brick wall, and the customers like, what's going on? So, well, remember back in June when I said this was going to happen? Here it is here, and you said it's okay. That's what happened. So, yeah, you just you just got to cover yourself when that time comes because at the end of the day it's their business and their direction but we can only guide them and sometimes they might have some valid points and and follow through and and some of our greatest mistakes our greatest accomplishment accomplishments come from our greatest mistakes so mm-hmm. you, just, you know especially in the creative world you just got to follow follow your your heart and that creativity in the business world it's numbers don't lie you just go they're pretty rigid so that like you say that balance in the middle is very special 
well, I'm sure that challenge too is, you know, you're dealing with people and personalities and the, um, the, the branding of, of an individual, right. And who they are. And that's a different, that's a different animal, I think. And um, Jackie's background when she was in Los Angeles worked at uh, CAA. So she was kind of in that business a little bit of um, working with celebrities and personalities and things of those lines, but it's gotta be more of a challenge, right? I mean, cause it, there's something, uh, it's not just a company or a corporation. It is a, a, a soul, you know, somebody who has these feelings and, and how, how do you go about managing that part of it? Oh man, it's, it's hard. Luckily, Melissa, who is uh, my business partner and wife, um, she's, she's, she could be a psychologist and a lawyer at the same time. Um, so she's amazing at managing that. And sometimes I send in her, <laughs> because I'm pretty straight cut, it's black and white. I mean, I know there's a lot of gray in between, but it's like when the when the poles are that far apart, I'm like, dude, if you can't see this, I can't help you. So I'm getting better at it. My problem is I'm like, I don't know if you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I'm a bit like Larry David. I've got no filter. <laughs> I'll just say it how it is. And um, whereas Melissa's very good at balancing that, but you just got to... For me, it's very hard, but I try and tread carefully and slowly and then try and present my case. Um, and then if, if I don't present it well enough, we'll, we'll go down that route of keeping the customer happy. Um, and, and that goes for workers too. We've had employees that, especially the younger millennials, that we had one specifically, which I always bring up because he is a really nice guy and a great design. Well, I don't know if it was great because years later as I as – I, <laughs> going through the world of AI and just just clip art and whatever, I'm starting to see, hang on, he just stole that design and placed it on that job and that. And so I'm like, why didn't he tell me that back back then, you know? I guess back when I was designing is that everything had to be original and come up with concepts. Obviously, you're inspired by things, but you can't just rip off stuff and copy, paste, and there's your new logo. Um, we, this specific designer guy, this uh, client had a logo and, she, and he started changing the font and changing the colors. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? He's like, oh, well, you know, us millennials, we like to shake it up a bit and, you know, keep things fresh. I'm like, well, hang on a second. You can't just do that. Um, you know, when you go to McDonald's, do you see them change their logo, their their um, outfits and, their, you know, their work attire and, and all the marketing? No, you don't see them. One, it's very expensive to do that all the time but two it's it's a suicide it's it's a branding suicide when you do that because you're going to lose clientele based on that reason um and you know coca-cola is great i think when you see a billboard on the side of the road it's always the same and you know they just drum it into your head branding 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 you know the red and the you know the logo and the logo is 100 years old and i just the millennials these days don't, I don't think they understand the gravity of things and we're sort of fed in a society of where everything's temporary. You know, we're watching three 30 second clips nowadays instead of the whole information. Um, and you know, I, I'm a bit like that too. I'm a bit lazy as I want to read the headline and if I'm interested, I'll go dig deeper, but we live in a fast society. And I think when the lights go out, I think that's when we're going to see the true artisans of design maybe even business, because um, that's important. I think you make amazing points. And so I, I wanted to ask two questions, because Michael's taking a pause to let me, I think, finally jump in. Uh, most importantly, is that your artwork behind you? Yes. That uh, is beautiful. One of them. I mean, I know we're not recording this, but, well, we are recording it, but. Right. Oh, that's gorgeous. So mm -hmm. we're, I, but I mean, most of my, my, the last maybe definitely four years since we we had our little one, I haven't been my creative self. I, I work doing creative things, but it's not what my soul is asking. Sometimes I'll get a client that we, I love and I, I just want to throw myself into this. Um, and But for my soul, if I'm not building furniture, designing motorcycles, building motorcycles, painting, that's not really who I am and all my painting skills from 15 to about 30. That's when I did 15 years of painting. That was, that was that person. And then I was during that time, I was 19 to 35, a musician. There's a little crossover there, but 
now I'm the businessman dad that's <laughs> doing other stuff, but um studio barn that we've got on the property and it's gonna have everything. It's gonna have all, you know, I'll be able to build motorcycles, I'll be able to paint, I'll be able to design stuff. It's gonna be awesome. I can't wait to get back to that creative space. That's fantastic. Now you split your time uh, between the U.S. and Australia. How much easier is that for you now with work from home technologies? Have you always been able to do it? What's how do you balance that? Yeah, it's it's not easy and it's not cheap. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not cheap at all. It, well, to be honest, COVID really helped, and we we almost doubled our business during COVID. We had great staff on the ground here in Nashville. We got stuck in Australia for two years and three months. Oh, wow. So what happened was everything was locked down here in the U.S. So we thought, screw it, we'll go to Australia. We just had our little daughter. We'll, she was nine months old when we left. Um, we'll go, we'll see the family. Australia's wide open. They were shooting a lot of Hollywood movies there at the time because it was wide open. Australia did a, a fantastic job managing the COVID um outbreak at the start so we get there we're there for a couple months a few months and then uh some american ground staff infected a certain region in sydney and then it just shut down then we'll shut down for three months which was was difficult but it it made us better online working with our staff and it was more accepted through our clients because everyone was doing zoom meetings and all that so it was it was easier um, so, and in answering your question, uh, is it easy? It's not easy because you've got four cars, four motorcycles, four wardrobes, um, toys for your kid in both countries. Um, and then your kids clothes when you leave there, they're no longer going to fit or the toys aren't going to, you know, be at that right age. You're still paying bills in Australia for security, um, you know, Wi-Fi, surveillance, the water's on. So it's very expensive, and and now we live on a beautiful property. We have ten acres on the beach in a regional part of Australia, and it's just stunning, and we love it there. I didn't want to come back, to be honest. I did not want to come back, and then when I got here, I went, I love this place too. Just love it. Um, so it's not easy, but we've got staff in Australia and the staff uh, clients in Australia and clients in the US. So we have to manage both, and we hope to have more of a presence in Australia. Um, but at the moment we're sort of feeling it out. We're going to be, you know, we're doing three to four months in a, in Australia and then come back for the summer, spring, summer here. That's awesome. Um, when I lived in LA, I was really good friends, uh, with a couple and she's from Australia. Her name's Carrie friend. She was on a show called perfect match. Like yes. way back in the day. Is that familiar? Yes. Carrie. Yes. She's blonde. She's, yeah. She's a good sort. Yeah. So I, I, when she explained to me what the show was like and her role on it, so it's like a, a dating matchup show. It always made me think she was like the Vanna White of Australia because <laughs> um, she was like a co-host with this other dude whose name I yes. can't remember now. Uh, it'll come to me. OK, uh, it'll come to me. Um, but yeah, that's right. That's so funny. That's so funny. So you're now my third Australian friend. Well, so don't Carrie, come to Nashville. There's a hundred of them here, hundreds oh, of them. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a pretty big population. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's what branding is all about. Like when you think of volleyball, you think of some Brazilian girl on the beach playing volume, uh, volleyball, fashion, right. Milan, music, Nashville, Tennessee, manufacturing, China. Um, you know, it's all branding and they've done a, a fantastic job of branding things here in Nashville and it, you know, musically, there's not much of an industry in Australia. So we bridge the gap for musicians coming over here that, you know, we put 15 years in here already and we manage some, you know, some big producers and, and we've worked with some big clientele here in the music business that can help the ones coming up the ranks along the way, you know, to better their careers. Right. Is is there a correlation with, I know Keith Urban is Australian, correct? I have that right? Yeah. Um, so he's obviously a level star there. Um, is, is country music big in Australia to begin with, or is, is that just a, an anomaly? You know what? Australia is strange. And ever since from being a business person, instead of musician playing music, I've sort of been a little jaded and, and sort of stopped listening to music because we have to listen to music um for our clients so it's sort of like sometimes i just want peace 
But <laughs> the music in Australia, when I go back, it's like the 90s playlist on the pop radio stations. And and country is probably number one format in the US right now and, and creeping over there. We're always behind in things in Australia. So, yes, it, it is, it's got a, a presence. And people like Keith Urban, obviously, um, crossover artists in the pop world, I wouldn't call a lot of the stuff that's getting played today country as such. Sort of, I don't know what it is. It's a pop, I guess, with guitars, with country, you know, licks and stuff like that. But um, there is a correlation in the sense of you can only go so far in the music industry in Australia where, you know, if you're a plumber, you're probably making more money than a musician. So a lot of people come over here. And a lot of people think, oh, they love Australians. Keith Urban's so famous. And it's like, no, nah, it doesn't work like that. You know, that's it's like all the young acts trying to be the next Taylor Swift. It's like that's place, uh, pace. <clears throat> Let's cut that out. That place is already taken. So it's it's it all goes back to branding, really, when you think about it. It's all branding. And, and, and the simplest way to break it down for these people is consistency. I think whether you're an artist or a business or any anyone, even a person trying to get a date with a male or female um, or whatever it is these days they call it, <laughs> um, it's branding and it's consi- consistency. I'd rather a client have a crappy logo and crappy des- design or, or outlook and be consistent than have multiple Every day I have a great logo. This week we're doing this great logo and then six months we're doing this great logo and we're going to change our color from green to black and it's it's forever revolving. So to me, if you can be consistent in the brand world, then you're going to have far more success because people need to relate to some, something and someone. They need to lock, in, lock into that. Oh, yeah, that's that person. Oh, that person's always wearing black or that person's got the crazy hair that he's wearing all the time. So to me, that's super important. So talking about how you've been able to evolve your branding process, y'all have developed an entire education curriculum, right? Correct. So tell me a little bit about that process and how that came to be. Well, we, we as you guys, I'm sure, do a lot of consult consultant work. And we just broke it. We ended up just breaking it down, breaking it down, breaking it down. And to the point where there's seven formulas that we use and and within those seven, there's probably two that share the formulas. And it starts at, well, Melbourne knows this better than I do. Logo, I'll I'll just say, I won't say them in in the order, but logo, or sorry, strategy, logo, um, website, um, marketing, licensing. uh, What else we got? What's that, five? (laughs) There's seven of them. Anyway, so we, we break it down and we use that as a cons- as the consultancy and we just we just honed it so it's very simple and we break it down for the the client to know exactly what they're in for. But what happened with the students, we we teamed up with um, Joel Katz's uh, music school in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. They're named top 10 school in the country for music and our branding component is 25% of that. And what it helps the the students by the time they've finished their craft of learning how to play music or learning um, how to produce or learning how to be an attorney, they have knowledge of branding to the point where when they when they finish that course, they already know who they are, what they need to do, where they need to go, and it's super important that when we do this for the students that we don't we don't necessarily tell them the answers they tell us the answers like i'll use the example we will show them about logo design and mcdonald's that's mcdonald's and here's a different variance of mcdonald's and and then i show them a different one whereas you go down the road and you see this mcdonald's and it basically it's a starbucks building that i've changed the logo a green mcdonald's logo slightly different shape big word mcdonald's and starbucks font and i said would you go in there for a mchappy meal and be satisfied. Would you stop there? And they go, oh, probably not. I'm like, why? He goes, well, it's not McDonald's. Well, how do you know? It says McDonald's. Yeah, but it's a different color and it's different font and it's different building and it's it looks more like something else. It's more earthy. It's not as fun. So 
we don't give them the answers. They give us the answers because it's so simple to us as branding people. It's really simple to understand. So, so basically that lesson there is like, okay, what if you change your logo every week? What if you did this? And what if you did that? And as well, we wouldn't have, you know, as much success, would we? Correct. So that's how the curriculum started because we got to a point where we had to keep explaining ourselves, keep explaining ourselves, and then we said, well, let's just put it down and, and simplify it for everybody. I love that. One of the things that I think most people miss, and so you made it so visual for them, is that the brand isn't just the logo, it's the experience. So they said, well, I wouldn't go there because it feels earthy. It, it's not as much fun. So it goes beyond the logo and it goes into the design of the store where the building is located. It's everything that sets an expectation of what the experience is going to be like from a mile away. Yeah. Everything from answering the phone to your mission statement, to the way you treat people, they expect a certain thing. So Mm -hmm. if you can consistently bring that every time, then you're just going to grow your, I'll say fan base in the music world, but grow your audience um, and, and it's consistent. They know what they're getting. They don't have to think about it. McDonald's great at that because you know what you're getting. You can go to Japan and buy a Big Mac. It's the same thing, right? Right. So. We talk a lot about um, like emotional connections with us, and I think with, with artists, even more so, right? I mean, there's an ownership in that. Like when somebody finds an artist that they like and they speak to them, and all of a sudden that's their artist. They have a piece of them, and they, they claim them as their own. And when they not just enjoying the music but it's like sharing that with other people and saying you know what this artist represents me a little bit you know their music and if i like this particular artist then then i'm, I'm connected with them and now they're part of my tribe and you're part of their tribe and that's how you build that slowly right over time yeah and that's perfect because that happens to us all the time with um artists that especially the young ones they don't understand the importance of branding and they're like oh well i'm just a bit of taylor swift you know that's great but or Ariana Grande, whatever. It's there's more to it because you got to find not only who you who you are as your own brand, but where do you fit in amongst the big picture of the brand? So if the brand, let's say the music brand is the music brand, and I always relate it to superheroes. You got your Superman, you got your Batman, you got uh, your Wonder Woman, you got Aquaman. Okay, they're all different people, different brands. They all provide different things and everyone attaches to the one they like best. So if you want to be the next Superman and you come out in blue and red colors and a little bit of yellow and you, you've got superpowers that are exactly like Superman, then what's the point? We've already got Superman. He's cool. And then it's like, well, every spot's taken. It's like, is it? What about the villain? You know, the Joker. Why, why, why wouldn't you be the Joker or, or someone like that? And you've got to find a space not only as yourself as a brand, but your your brand, where does your brand align amongst all the other brands and find that niche and stick to it? Just just wedge yourself in between and just grow that that presence. Um, whereas young artists, we don't it, it's very hard work with them because what I try and do is like, okay, if you weren't playing music right now, what would you be doing? Well, I'd be riding horses professionally and I'm a professional, I don't know gunsmith or whatever it is okay well let's let's incorporate this of the brand because you don't want to be a square peg jam yourself in a round round hole and i learned that as a musician like when i came to nashville I was like well i'm a little bit country i was like i was nowhere near country i was like rock <laughs> i got my country through the rolling stones like songs like dead flowers or credence and bands like that were country-esque but they weren't country so i learned a lot whereas like don't chase what's in fashion now or the fad now like oh country music's the hottest thing right now so i'm going to be country like no because in three five years it's not going to be the hottest thing it'll be 80s rock or 80s metal whatever it is so if you're an 80s metal guy trying to be a country guy just to appease the gods and and just make it a living then you're wasting your time be true to who you are and then you can expand left or right or however you want to just to to broaden your audience but always stay true to yourself um, as far as a person and a brand. Yeah. Authenticity, right? I mean, you got to know who you are and otherwise eventually you'll get, you'll get found out. I think. Correct. Correct. That's just, it's honesty really with everything. What, um, what part of the artist journey do you guys get involved? Um, I know I'm looking at your website, there's consulting design, website, photography, social, digital publicity. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into that. 
and I'm sure most artists have a team manager, publicity, whatnot. And where do y'all fit into that? And where do you normally come into play with an artist and in, in their journey coming up? Yeah, well, it depends. There's multiple different ways. Um, sometimes we do it. Well, I mean, we do everything from from start to finish. We can do everything. Um, the only thing that we're not really strong, it gets to a point where in videography where we'll outsource like maybe over $40,000 video or something like that, we'll outsource that and still work within those people. But everything else is in-house. Um, and, yeah, so it depends. On, it depends. Sometimes I have management. The management brings us in and and we we suggest that we do everything so we can control it, but sometimes they might have a great photographer that's a professional photographer and they go, okay, well, let's work with that photographer. We'll, we'll help guide that strategy. But when we've, we find when we're in control, we can get the message across quicker and more precise because we've had, we've had instances where we've had professional photographers that are world renowned and they're fantastic. They do great, great work, but they've missed the brand. We, we give it an outline of what this needs to be and, and what has to happen. And, and I'm talking, I won't say who, but we've had one instance where we've flown people out to a certain area, we've rented a certain area, we've got catering, we've got um, props came in, like I'm talking thousands and thousands of dollars flying people to the other side of the country. And then we get photography back and photos look phenomenal, but off-brand, it's like, oh, we can't use this. Well, why can't we use it? Well, it's because it's off-brand. You're wearing a hat, you don't wear a hat, or you're not wearing a hat, or you're wearing pink polka dots when you're an edgy heavy metal rock guy you know so it's so important that we control it where we can but as far as we we do work with other companies well and and um we do like that but primarily we do everything and we start at strategy we let we let the um we hang numbers of words so for example if the objective is to um hit a b and c okay what's that cost it's like okay it's a million dollars well we don't have a million dollars okay well if that's the objective we need to do something else to get there because if 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 you've got 500 grand well the the easiest way to, to speak to people is like if the objective is to drive to california from new york and you've got 500 bucks then you're not going to get there so so we need to go if like if you're if you're basing it on a budget, so if you got a budget of five hundred bucks to get to to from New York to LA, it's not going to work. Why? It's because the the strategy the strategy says, well, we have to stop twice along the way. We have to fill up our tank of gas. Um, if we make a mistake and turn left instead of right, that's going to cost us an extra two hours. That means we have to stay another night, and we need extra tank of gas. Um, and then this we need a, a contingency of in case the car breaks down, all that sort of stuff that's involved. So. So always, we always start off. We want we want to go from New York to LA. What does that cost? Okay, we can't do it because we're only got five thousand dollars or five hundred dollars. So yeah, it's 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 tricky, but I've as a designer, I've learned as I'm designing my left and right brain at the same time. I learned to to switch one on and switch one off at the same time. Whereas before, I couldn't do that. To me, it was like, well, I got to I got to put this extra red tag on the shirt. And embroidery, it's going to cost us an extra 50 cent shirt, but it's going to make it look $100 much more expensive. But then it's like, well, we don't have that 50 cents a tag for the shirts. So I, I've become good at, at at designing and not not stifling the creativity where sometimes, like I said, if you go on a tangent, it's going to lead to somewhere brilliant, but steadily guiding that destination and that journey to the left or to the right to get there on a balanced um design versus business uh platform i guess i'm sure there's challenges too with um i mean like i said i know you talked about you know listening to music all the time and and hitching your wagon to the right vehicle as well right i mean um identifying talent out that out of the blue I, i went to nashville recently to visit my son up there and um i was amazed that everywhere we went there was a band and like mm-hmm. in a gas station, there was a band. There was bands everywhere. There was somebody playing music everywhere, and they were all phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, like there wasn't, and they were real musicians playing real music. And I, I was just amazed. And we have a lot of music down in South Louisiana where we're at. Um, not like, not like Nashville. 
Um, it was everywhere. And I don't know how you, I guess, gut, I mean, instinct, experience over time to say, all right, this this guy has something or this one has something. And we're going to go ride that and try to get him on board with us so we can kind of grow together. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Nashville is a special place when it comes to music. Um, and it lifts that artist to the next level because you're not only competing, you're also collaborating. It's a collaborative effort here in Nashville. Um, there's so many talented people, but there's a lot of factors involved. And, and sometimes we have clients that have got rich parents that help them out, which is great. That's a great head start. And um, But at the same time, you need that hunger. If you don't have that hunger, then it doesn't matter how much money you throw at it, it's not going to... Um, you're not going to have as much success as someone that's their life depends on, on, on this music career. And sometimes they don't have the talent, but sometimes they've got something else. It's like a three legged stool. You know, you need, you need three legs for it to stand up. And sometimes, sometimes like you got the, the looks, you got the looks, but you don't have the voice, but you have, you haven't got the, you've got the songs. So it's always better to have three legged a three legged stool if you can. Um, like someone like Taylor Swift, who is the biggest star on the planet right now, she learned how to sing in front of everybody. Back in the day before social media, you could go out in the road and hone your craft and learn how to how to do it and see what worked, what didn't work, and and then craft it organically. These days, she came out singing. She was she wasn't a great singer. She can. She's got a, a nice style now, but she couldn't do it back back in the day. And I remember being on a tour bus with a A list artist, um, and the band was making fun of her, saying, "Oh, this girl can't sing. She's hopeless." Blah blah. blah. Anyway, she's you know, 10, 15 years later, she's the biggest thing on the planet. So sometimes you need. She had the songs. She had the look, and she had the passion. So those three things that helped her. Same as Adele. She had the song. She had the voice. She had a look. It wasn't a look that was known to like a pretty look. It was a, a girl that was, um, you know, slightly overweight and whatever, but she made it her own and she's, her songs were bigger than any other. She could be on one leg, <laughs> a one legged stool with those songs and, and that voice. It, it didn't matter. But, um, and again, going back to what you said, you've seen, you go into every bar and you see all these great artists. But it's all stems to branding again, the branding of the, what, what are you singing about? What's the message? What do you look like? You know, when you think of Bruce Springsteen, he's a working class American, you know, patriot, I guess. He's, he sings for the working class. Someone like John Mellencamp, someone like, um, I don't know, Ariana Grande, not much message there, just a bit of fun and whatever. That's fine. Someone like U2, Bono, it's all political. So they've branded themselves in a way and they've been consistent. Then their audience that follows them are in the same brand boat, I guess, because they, they follow that message and they like it. So it's them young guys out there, they need to really establish who they are and, and what they stand for. And it doesn't matter if you're a Ted Nugent nut or whatever. He stands for something. You don't have to like it, but you need to stand for something not only on a – a visual platform but a message platform and the sound so them guys have really it's not just about playing music it's about the whole big picture so i think you make great points and i love the way you talk about them honing their craft over years of doing the work so how much has the change of the industry going to change how the artist develops because now they're not necessarily having to go club to club to club, radio station, radio station, radio station. Now they can record a video in their house and 2 million people see it on YouTube. So I feel like we need sometimes the rough road and the hard work and the failure to become better. And yeah. if we take that away, are we still shining the diamond? That, I mean, that's a great question, and and there, I don't think there's a real answer to it. I think we're in trouble with uh, social media and, and this um, AI um, platform where we've had clients, you can tell, that one's a road dog that's out there living the, their dream and working hard. You, you Really, I always say, and, and me as a musician as well, 
you drive five hours in a van with four guys, you go there, you play a gig to like five people, you end, you end up getting beat up. The, the the bar guy doesn't pay the bill and then you got to jump in that van and drive home. That's character building. You need that experience or you need that experience to play in front of a, a stadium or an arena. Those experiences in playing in front of five people or 5,000 people or 5 million people, you need that history of timeline to be able to to be able to hit those um, next stages in life or even if you're performing in a band to be able to know, okay, I know what to do here and I know what to do here. We've, we've had these social media artists that they we finally get them on stage and something goes wrong and they walk off stage. I'm like, what just <laughs> happened? It's like the power went out. So what? Do an acapella song. Get your acoustic out. Whatever, whatever needs to be done, you need to do it. And the only way you're going to learn to do it is to be on the road doing that. So I, I think we've, um, I, I think we're we're in a bit of trouble where we're we're going to be able to find ourselves, especially with young millennials um, that are learning. It's best to learn the old way as well as the new way. Um, I mean, there's a there's a balance because it's like saying the objective is to put a pool in my backyard. Great. One guy's using a backhoe to dig the hole, and then the other guy's using a pick and shovel. Well, this is the way we used to do it back in the day. It's like fair enough. The 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 objective is to do a pool, and if you can use the right tools to dig out that hole, great. Because the main objective is the design of the pool, the concept. So. That's okay using those tools in those way, but um, when you don't have that training, and a lot of young kids coming through these days that want to, you know, earn sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year straight out of school, it's like, no, it's not going to work. We've we've had interns where they've come out of school and they demand this money, and then I end up teaching them how to design, or we the girls end up teaching them how to do publicity, and it's not to say that school systems aren't working; they're not all working, but some don't work the technology changes so quick that what are you teaching these kids? Um, and to me, I think these days, especially with YouTube, you can learn so much, but I think these days you're better off giving a company like yourselves or like us, give me $40,000. I'll teach you your, your trade and then I'll give you a job at the end of it. And then there's, there's no problems. And you know what? You have a piece of the company later on if you want it too. Because what they're learning at school is is not enough in the in the real real world, especially versatility of where you're working. It could be in a medical field, it could be in design field. Now, I'm not saying that for attorneys or brain surgeons. I think they need to go to school. <laughs> but but as far as the design world and the creative world, I don't think you need it these days. We need yeah. to be more like a craft school, trade school. Yeah, yeah, and, and we like don't a like we. Our interns that come in, we we always up front. We're like, look, we're not we're not paying you. We're not paying interns because you're not bringing anything to us right now. We're giving you everything. So if anything, you should be paying us. I think that there's there's a there's a there's a part of that that process of learning of going through the grind and figuring things out, you know. And and you you can't get it in school. It's just too much. And and too many schools don't have enough professional involvement in them. They they work in a bubble. And um and then they get out and realize oh wow this has changed a lot over the past six months not just years but in in months you know and the dramatic change of all that you know and you were talking too about um like the artists and traveling when I was early in my career I did a lot of music uh, albums and CDs when they were popular and um one of the artists I worked for I don't know if you ever heard of him Mark Broussard from uh, down here in Louisiana um if not, check him what, out what band. He's so just Mark Mark Broussard. Oh, okay, no, sorry, yeah. most of my life in Australia. <laughs> he has a um, he has one one fairly popular song. I think it's called Home. Um, okay. Anyway, but check him out. You actually like him. He's um when I when we started working with him, he was maybe twenties in his twenties or so. Mm -hmm. Um, sounded like a fifty year old black man. I mean, he had soulful voice and just really unique. And um, he's been on the road for twenty years now. I think you know he's toured with Maroon 5 and he's been out there doing a lot of cool things. And, and, and to this day, I was just looking at his calendar. He's like all over the country and stuff. He hasn't made it to that A-level status, but I know he's had songs that have been recorded by other artists. He's, you know, he's a grinder, you know, and um, he's got a huge following across the country. Um, but there's a, I don't know, a respect level for that. You know, I, well, I, there, I, there is, there is. And, and there's not to say that there's people out there that we don't even know. They're making $3 million a year playing mm -hmm. music. Yeah. So, so they've created an industry around themselves. 
which is to me is better than anything. You're, you got a career now. You're not just a flash in the pan and the record label takes you out for dinner and takes everyone out for dinner and this is great and, you know, and all of a sudden you're paying for the bill. So, um, you know, it, it's it's hard and I, I commend that person. You, there's two roads. You can you can do it that way, the hard way and the right way um, or you cut corners via social media and whatever and try and make it. But, you know, there's two different types of artists. The social media artists, I don't think they're going to have as much longevity. Um, and record labels are getting a bit lazy these days too. They go on TikTok and go, okay, he's got 5 million fans. Great, let's go. But sometimes that doesn't that doesn't um, transpose to hard ticket sales. Um, so that's a big problem. It's like, oh, they got 5 million fans. If we get 1%, we're great. It's like, no, nah, it's not how it happens because they, they log in to be entertained for free. They're right. not going to mm-hmm. pay a hard ticket, um, you know, to make, I don't know, to see someone that they can see for free that, that's full of screen. Well, and Jackie's the recent, um, full disclosure, she's a recent convert to the um, Taylor Swift tribe. Our youngest daughter is a huge fan, and she took um, Jackie to a concert. And I think you've been to three now since then? I'm all in. I'm 100% on board, Swifty for life. You know what? I'm not a, I couldn't tell you one song she sang. I'm not a fan, but I'm a fan of what she's done and, and what she what she does. Excuse me, I'm going to say this again. Sorry. That's okay. Her business acumen is second to none. She is smart. Um, I think she's running her company in a smart way. And I think she's made some improvements for the music industry as a whole. So I'm a fan for life. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I commend her on, on that. I think, um, yeah, smart, smart. And we're good friends with Scott who built her and we're with him the other week. And, um, you know, it's a team effort. It's, it's, it's hard to say, I think she would have been successful no matter what, even without the record label, there's a lot of money and, and a lot of uh, big teams pushed in the background of that to make that machine work. I think she would have been successful no matter what, but to, to what degree, to this degree, I don't, I don't know, but um, it's timing as well. It's always timing in the right place. There's, there's a lot of artists that, that are out there. And, and again, she's a classic example of, well, there's better singers out there. Yes, they are, but she's a, she's a great brand. She, she spoke to an audience of, of people that were reaching out for something. Right. Well, you talked about that earlier too. I think it's the same in our business and working with B2B clients and whatnot. You can't talk to everybody. You, you, you know, who's your audience? Everybody. Well, that, that, that may be true, but you have to figure out who your audience is. You have to know who it is you're talking to and it starts there, you know, and it will build out of that. But if you don't know who that is and you don't know who you are, then, then you're just throwing darts at a, at, a, at a dartboard and hoping that it sticks. You know, um, that there is a more targeted way to go about things. You just have to kind of know those basic fundamentals. That's exactly right. And you know, every, like we do with that with all the time of artists. Like, oh, I, I'm, I'm everything. I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, you can't pigeonhole me. You can't do this. We'll say, well, how are we going to get you on country radio? You know, how are we going to get you on rock radio? Because you, you got to pigeonhole yourself to go to those channels. You know, the magazines. All that sort of stuff. They, they they're specific <laughs> magazines that want specific people. They don't want if it's a heavy metal magazine. They don't want Taylor Swift on the front cover, do they? <laughs> no. So so yeah. To me, pigeon. I don't necessarily say pigeonholing. It's just, it's just finding who you are as a brand and speaking to that. Absolutely. Um, I cannot believe this has been almost an hour. The time has flown by. Rick, you're a delightful guest. Uh, <laughs> tell the people where they can find you. Uh, deadhorsebranding.com. Um, and that's it for now. I'm not really doing anything for my personal stuff anymore. But um, come come check us out. I know the opposition is uh, the Russo brand. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can collaborate on something down the track. You have way cooler clients than us, so I, I can't imagine, but we'll see if we can find a way. Yes, let's let's see. Well, I think by the looks of all the stuff in the background there, you've been to a few concerts and a few things. Exciting. I like to speak at conferences. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things. I literally, you have a conference, I will show up and be your keynote speaker. Um, okay. My bag will travel, so... Okay, it's a deal. We'll work out something. All right, I would love. Well, and that. part of you know, and actually, um, a lot of what Jackie does, she um, she founded a group um, a couple of years ago called um, BSU Brand State U, and she did that because we kind of grew to a certain point where a lot of people were coming to us that 
really couldn't afford us at that point. We had, you know, we had a bigger team, we had lights to pay for. It was, you know, we, we were beyond that, that really, really small marketing firm uh, need. So she started BSU and it's an online set of classes where people can go on and learn how to brand themselves and things like that. And that's something even, you know, like I said, there's probably artists that come to your, your place that, you know, they, they can't afford you, you know, and, and they don't have the money, but they still need to do some kind of grassroots branding and understanding of some of those methodologies. And that's even something that that could possibly help people along the way. Because I mean, it's really for anybody that's trying to understand how to deal with your social media, how to, you know, uh, identify yourself and your audience and things like that. And so, you know, that, that's kind of a lot of what she does on, on her time off. Yeah. And that's to me, that's great just as a human being for, to help somebody else. But like, we're all about longevity. Like we can take your money right now at the front end, all of it. And then that's it. You, you, you run out of gas or we can point you in the right direction and help you get to a point where, okay, now we can start retaining you on retainer and, and working together, growing towards something because um, the, the relationships are no good. If you just get them on the front end, you want to continue years on down the track. Absolutely. Where does, um, real quick before we wrap up, uh, where does dead horse come from? So we had a, in our fashion, well, my, my last name's Caballo, I'm Spanish. And we had a t-shirt that was super popular in our fashion brand. It was, it was a picture of our logo, it was a dead horse. And everyone would just call us the dead horses and whatever. And anyway, we said, shit, we'll just use that. And, you know, the skeleton frame, you know, the framework is everything and, and the in the building process or in a branding process or in, in anything in, in our human body. So we thought it'd be, you know, cool to just use it and it was different. And, you know, we've worked with corporate companies too that are like dead horse. And it's like, then, well, you want to, you want to be cool? Come with us. <laughs> so far it's working. I like it. Absolutely. Rick, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm sure we will cross paths again. We will. I'm sure. Awesome. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye.